want to say shout out to our sponsors, Watchman Cigars, Red Hill Brewing, Crave Bath and Body, and Level Up Logo. Without you guys, this episode would not be possible. Hey, hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, where it's our take on life, liberty, and the pursuit of gravy. While you, the listener, are invited to come up on the front porch, grab a beverage, and set a spell. We've got a great show lined up for you, as always. But before we begin, let me introduce you to our starting lineup, uh, checking his black black level tank and where uh, in the tornado alley warning signs is magic man what up magic man <laughs> boy you had a hard time with that didn't you boy it's been it's been a while yeah no nah, black tanks are good and uh, we're outside of tornado alley so we're good we're in good shape perfect hey everybody and we got aaron hello and producer brian hey 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 and of course, I'll be your illustrious host, Biggin, and how about you? We've got a great show lined up, as I said before. This week, we continue our series in the pursuit of racial understanding. We have Tim Emery. He is a criminal defense attorney, defender of social justice in the justice system, and he's a volunteer Little League coach. So, I mean, how can you not like the guy? He volunteers at a Little League coach. Uh, so we're excited to have him coming on. He's got a great story, uh, how he uh, has seen uh race just just overwhelm the justice system and how how disproportionate it is so he's going to talk to us about that tonight uh aaron where can our people find us on the socials you can find us on instagram twitter we are on facebook um and youtube we are southern fried philosophy um you can find our website at sfpradio.com and all of our socials are on there and again you can leave us a voicemail mm-hmm. i'll tell you what that that voice just makes me happy <laughs> I, it just sounds so good you've got a voice for radio no doubt um hey last week we had dr lucretia berry and if you're interested in it um, her husband is doing an event uh, on Tuesday nights from uh, 7 to 8.30 Central, so that's 8 to 9.30 Eastern, starting um, the 17th of May, and just going through the book, What Lies Between Us. It'll be on YouTube. If you'd like to join, that information will be on our show notes, so they passed that information along to us after the show last week, and um It'll be be great stuff. So if you want to sign up, go to the link on our uh, show notes and you can sign up there. We want to say shout out to our listeners from Nebraska. Uh, Magic Man, tell us some stories uh, and some interesting facts about Nebraska. All right. First of all, it is the birthplace of Kool-Aid. Wait, Um, what? It is the birthplace of Kool-Aid in 1927. Oh, the yeah. ever-popular juice drink Kool-Aid was invented by Edwin Perkins Edward, in Hastings, huh? Nebraska. Perkins transformed his soft drink syrup, Fruit Smack, into the famous Kool-Aid powder, making for an easier <laughs> shipping process. Producer Brian, you and okay there, something buddy? tickled Brian. Producer Brian. Sorry. This is a side note. So Fruit Smack made me think. Did you see the tweet from Elon Musk saying he was going to buy Coke and put cocaine back in yes. it? Yes. So it, it, it was joking. He was jo- it was a joke. But uh, okay. at Fruit Smack, the, it was the 20s. In, anyway, 
I digress. Carry on. So you were thinking <laughs> it was fruit what? with cocaine in it. It was a fruit smack. I'm not supposed to say like sugary. Nice. <laughs> By the way, that's genius. I'm going to patent that. Nobody take it. I am doing that one. <laughs> All right. Factoid number two. It's the comb. The comb. The home of Carhenge. Um, Carhenge is a replica of the historic oh, yeah. English Stonehenge. is located just north of Alliance, Nebraska, and is made up of 38 old automobiles uh, that have been arranged in the same proportions and shape as the original Stonehenge. Huh. So, Does it align with the sun on the, the solstice? I don't know, but Laura, <laughs> we got to go check out uh, Carhenge. <laughs> I thought Stonehenge only Nebraska. had like five stones on it, though. It's yeah. 38. What, Stonehenge? No, it's more than yeah. that. No, Stonehenge has a... T- Actually, I've, I've been to Stonehenge. I went on a, a trip to England when I was a senior in high school, and it's it's awesome. It's And it's oh. huge. Way more than five stones. <laughs> Way more. Wow. All right. Yeah. yeah it's cool. at least six, yeah. Yeah, at least, yeah. Right. Um. It is Warren Buffett's home. Uh, Omaha, Nebraska is home to the most famous billionaire in the world, Warren Buffett. Buffett is also mm. known as Wizard of Omaha or Oracle of Omaha and still lives humbly in the city of his lifelong home. I I got confused with Warren Buffett with Jimmy Buffett. I'll be honest with you. Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> I don't think Warren Buffett would take you to Margaritaville. So, <laughs> like, that was a jump there, Jimmy Buffett. Maybe. From, yeah, yeah, that's all he's buying, right? You never know. <laughs> yeah. Well, how about a, 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 a silly or, or funny law here? Uh, in the Let's late 1800s, it. a law created in Lehigh, Nebraska, forbid merchants from selling donut holes. One lawmaker claimed donut holes were a waste and believed that by selling the middle of the donut, bakers were trying to make an undue profit. Thankfully, the law was repealed in the late 1990s. But these tasty round treats are still hard to come by in the town of Lehigh. Did you say yes. the 1900s or the night? In the, the late 1900s. 1800s. Yeah, late 1800s is when they right. came out with the law and it was on the books until the 1990s. To the 90s. So about 100 years. Yeah. Man, you talk about justice going slow to change the law on that one. Well, I mean, look what we're talking about, but hey, you know. <laughs> but, but let's also, like, what politicians said, okay, here's my platform. We're going to legalize donut holes. <laughs> Actually, that's, that's also genius. I'd vote for that guy. Probably passed out fruit smack right. yeah, around. I'd, take any, I'd vote for him. Yeah. <laughs> Get your What's donut the holes with the fruit like? snack. Can't beat the pride with donut holes. <laughs> so you're saying the, the police roll into the donut shop and they see the holes <laughs> next to the regular donuts. Are they like rolling? Like, are they taking them in? What's the situation there? Is it fine? Mm. I need more information. There's like a back room. With I, like I, a bet you, I bet you the enforcement. Holes. That's, I bet you the enforcement was pretty well done considering donut shop. Well. Something oh, else. Okay. I see what you did there. Ah, mm. okay. Uh, finally, the name Nebraska originated with the Oto Indians. The word Nebraska means flat water and refers to the Platte River that flows throughout the state. Hmm. Well, how about it? And there are nothing. your five interesting facts of Nebraska. You know, if nothing else, this show is educational. So our guest <laughs> is actually from 
from Nebraska. So shout out to to Tim coming on the show. <clears throat> All right, guys, I'm going to ask you like I ask you every week. How you be doing? Brought to you by Crave Bath and Body. If you need some <laughs> Crave Bath and Body supplies, uh, Magic Man will hook you up and give you a free packet of Bucky's Beaver Nuggets. This week only. <laughs> 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 hey, maybe we'll have to do that. Man, that means we have to go buy a bucket somewhere. <laughs> get some. Just get some Imagine like frozen night. chicken tenders or something. No one's going to know the difference yeah. by the time it hits, comes in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Magic Man, how you been doing? Oh, be doing good. Um, glad it's, uh, of course, but, you know, we. Everybody doesn't know this already. We record this uh, on Thursday, so we're getting to the end of the week. Good to have the yeah. weekend coming up. Um, nothing really too exciting going on. You know, we're we're uh, in the Brunswick, Georgia area um, this right. last week and this week. Um, I think the most interesting things that we've had is um, the water at this campground smells like rotten eggs and chemicals, and the water pressure sucks. And the um, uh, ground started caving in uh, in the driveway in front of our rv um but they fixed it really quick too yeah. so Sink kudos hole. kudos to the campground but yeah just said you this know has happened before. Yeah, pro- <laughs> probably probably but um yeah this is um you know this is part of the rv lifestyle you have uh weird things happen so but mm. uh yeah no, nothing really interesting going on just working and visiting family and enjoying it so there you go Aaron, how you been doing? I'm good. I'm glad to be back this week. Yeah. Missed you guys. It was a great show last week. Really yeah. Good. Should listen it. to it? Yeah. It's good. Nice. Good. Loved it. Loved it. <laughs> Producer Brian, how you been doing? Well, I'm finally recovering from um, the shock of losing the blue collar chili cook-off on Saturday. So yeah, you got to tell us about what's going on here. I don't know what's going on there. Uh, it, I bet, you know, I try. So despite how I may seem on the show, sometimes I'm not a super <laughs> cocky person in general, you know, like I'm confident in my ability, but mm-hmm. you know, I'm not a real, I don't, I don't know. I kind of stay on the radar. I'm an introvert, you know, um, but I made what I thought was, some pretty darn good chili. Um, maybe some Did of the you best. Make, like, what you made yeah, it was, for... it, it was better than when I made for the church back in okay. the fall. I think. I don't, um, it should have won then. Right. Uh, it's a little spicier, which I think is fine for most people. This was a, uh, a bigger, well, I don't know if it's bigger or not. There was, so here's the story. Uh, you know, there was money on the line. The pay to pay to to participate. Uh, There's a lot yeah. of people there. It was great. There was twelve. There was twelve chilies. Okay. Okay. There were four four prizes though. There was a okay. first place, first loser, second loser, in Mojo style, and then there was a best um, or a fan favorite. Okay. So um, I'm just questioning at this point, like so. I'll get that in a minute. Um, so I show up, get there, and people are like walking by. Like people next to me are like smelling my chili and going like, oh, you know. And then it's like one of those where they'll eat it, and then a minute later someone comes by and goes, they said I had to try your – like 
people were coming by. There was buzz, right? Right. Things were happening. People were telling me it was good. The people around me I was competing with were mm-hmm. were shocked as well. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I didn't win it, so that says something, wow. right? Um, or win anything. I thought you know it's it's a again. There's twelve. There's four prizes. That's t- right. Math twenty five percent chance. One in four, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like a. I'd say my chili is like Texas style, which may be the problem. Because it's a lot of salsa and tomatoes, and I use, I smoke mm-hmm. a whole brisket and put the flat in the chili, right? There's like five pounds of brisket in this chili. <laughs> and it's like, it, you, yeah. it just like melts in your mouth. It's, it's really good. It is really good. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't know. So I tried the one. I didn't get a chance to really walk around and taste them all. So right. I was... I, but I did make make a point to go to the the winner to try it, and the way they were serving it was, you know, it was a presentation. I think might have been some points there I didn't know about. Mm. But this one had like a little bit. They put cilantro and a little cheese, and the cheese mm. was like two kinds of cheese and a little sour. It was definitely a presented thing. Mm. And it was somebody's grandma too, so it was maybe that was the problem. Mm. I tried it; it was good. Yeah. But I'm, I don't remember how it tastes. I remember how my chili tastes, you know. Right. I, I, I was, I was, was legitimately right. shocked. Like, yeah, I was like pulling a Kanye and just ready to walk up on stage, you know. <laughs> and it just, I'm gonna let you finish, that. right? I yeah, you know, just kind of get in line. And here it is, <laughs> right? Nothing. It just, I, it just, I don't know. Uh, well, and it, it was a, it was a red chili, right? Red, yeah. So you had, like you said, you had the tomato sauce and whatnot. <clears throat> The only explanation I have for this one, which is probably the simplest, right? There's like a rule, like mm-hmm. usually the simplest explanation is the, the real explanation. Clearly, the other people were bought off. The judges were bought off. Oh. There's no doubt about it. I think so. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Yeah. Because you drop by said chili, and I'm not a chili guy. I'm like, mm, yeah. whatever. Um, And you drop some by, and I heated it up, and I... I told you, like, I can't stop eating this chili. Yeah. Like, it was it was the most delicious one I've had. Go ahead, Aaron. Yeah. If it's even close to the one you made for our church one, yeah. I got one bowl of it, and I was pissed. <laughs> I was literally <laughs> so mad. Because every because they were making us freaking wait out there, yeah, and we mm. couldn't just go in. You had to get a little tiny things. little little can- and cup. I was, yeah. So mad. Yeah. I was literally so mad. I went in there. Oh, it was gone. Yeah. Mm. I, was I gone. did make twice as much for this event. So, and, and JT got the scraps out of the bottom of the bowl, basically, in his it was, <laughs> to go container. I'll take that. <laughs> it was incredible. So uh, my was, explanation I, so the voting, they give you a little slip of paper, like a little ticket, mm. like a raffle ticket thing to write on. I was okay. number eight. I didn't okay. see what the numbers, but I'm assuming the winner was number three, and there was some uh, like reading problems happening here. Right, the eights yeah. were the pen ran out of ink or something. That could have been it. That's, I'm convinced people just don't they don't understand what good food is. 
but there's that. And it, it could have been like a popularity contest as well. You know, that could have been going into right. it. Well, right. no, no one can see it. They rolled it was up blind. with like an entourage. Blind judge. Oh. So they came and picked up your chili and sat it. Like the judges didn't walk around and talk to people. They're uh, in their little secluded little enclave and someone brings them. Paid off. A couple little cups. So, paid off. Uh, you know, it was a good event. It was for That's charity. I was upset for just, I was shocked. I wasn't upset. It was the wrong word. But I was just completely blown away. That <laughs> I, yeah. I thought I was going to have a couple hundred bucks in my pocket. So, as you oh, should. I, I, I would have paid you a couple hundred dollars just for that sample. I would have, I would have paid <laughs> well, I can, We can work that out still. Yeah. We can. We'll, we'll, uh, <laughs> Brian Venmo is um, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I can do that. <laughs> we'll have that in the show notes for you if you'd like yeah. to donate to the cause. So I don't. Hey, maybe we ought to have Brian make some while I'm in town. Yeah, we can uh, sell tickets for that. <laughs> we can sell tickets to watch <laughs> Magic Man eat. Yeah, eat spicy food. <laughs> I mean, it was. A, I mean, it wasn't. I got the brisket on sale. It was a twelve pound brisket. I got it for like fifty five dollars. So I made an investment. That's right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. The gas to get there. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I asked Brandon after it was all over. I was like, "Bro, what happened?" He goes, "I don't. I have no clue." Like. Yours, uh, by far, was his favorite. Yeah, but I don't know what happened. <clears throat> well, the southern phrase of the week. By the oh, what's happening with me? Yeah, uh, I got body training this week, so I'm taking <laughs> tomorrow off. So we will have pee and poop all over our house for this week. So that'll be great. Woo! Um, yeah, I'm looking forward. You're talking to that. about small batch, right? And no, me. Okay, um, I'm going to learn finally. Uh, you, 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 so you can teach her. I get it. Right, I've got to learn first, and then I will teach her. Are so you going to teach her how to use a bidet? I've thought about using her using the bidet. One, the power of the bidet would probably launch her into the wall. So probably wow. they know to that. And she's got to learn, like, because there's you know we're silly Americans that don't have the bidet, which we all should have the bidet by now. Like, what's wrong with us, America? Can we also not got to learn the metric system? Like, come on now, let's let's do that. Uh, so I'm gonna revert to having to use toilet paper with her. So just so she can mm. learn. She's got to learn how to do that. Life skills. Uh, Southern phrase of the week is hankering. So just if you have a hankering for some chili, maybe uh, maybe producer Brian can make you some. But we say that in the South. If you're really Jones in something, this week I was hankering Twix and uh, watermelon Jolly Ranchers. I'm probably pregnant at this point based on that. So... <laughs> Uh, you ever get those hate friends together? What was the last hankering you guys have had? I got a hankering for this beer right here. Oh my gosh. Sunday, (laughs) Sunday, I wanted some brownies so bad. Mm. I saw this, like, I saw this TikTok and this girl was making brownies, and I was like, I gotta have brownies. Mm. So I made Jack go to the store and he got brownie mix. Oh no, Aaron! You didn't. Um, it was Ghirardelli. Thank you. Oh, it was very good. No. It's elite, and every baker in the comments was like, "Ghirardelli is elite." Every no. one of them was like, "We make Listen, from the box." Everybody ain't got time to go mill their own flour Literally. and chop and go cut down their own it's cocoa so plant. Good. I'm gonna come over there with it, and you're gonna taste it, and you're gonna be like, "Wow, it's really good." And I put walnuts in it, oh, or pe- yeah. pecans, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, this show just got southern when she said pecans. I mean, that's <laughs> it right there. 
Um, no, you got to start. You got to do it from scratch. You get it's so easy, so it's, easy to do. You're being, box you're being ridiculous. Eggs, oil, done versus right. It's measuring. So you just dump it. It's yeah, and it's good enough. It's good enough. See, that's the problem. It's is, good enough. And and I'm a very this isn't uh, pasta, JT. I'm very well versed on good enough. My entire life is based on good, just good enough. It's not. But once, once you've had my brownies, you never go back. Uh, they're they're most right, the most right. amazing brownies ever. So all right, make them. I will bring the heat, and you'll say I will never go box again. Ever. So next time you have a hankering, you need to call <laughs> Biggin and say, "Hey, make me some brownies." All right. <laughs> my my dad, his his birthday present his father's day present is uh christmas present or my brownies he's just like just make the brownies please after surgery <laughs> brownies like that's all he wants uh-huh. so i'm gonna uh, make him brownies and he's gonna turn into wilford brimley so there's that <laughs> diabetes <laughs> what was the last uh hankering you had producer brian oh um that's a great question. I'm currently hankering some ribs really badly, and I don't know when I'm going to have time to do it. So uh, I was thinking about Fruit Loops the other day, and that's not going to happen either. I think about I have you know I think about food all the time. I just don't ever get a chance to uh, do it, or you know, end up having like I want nachos real bad, but I make a ham sandwich instead. So. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Um, so we had a debate last week, Aaron. I don't. You said you heard, you heard the show, but just in case, maybe other listeners didn't. <clears throat> the debate was in a bowl. Which do you put in first, the milk or the cereal? Um, the cereal. Okay. She's good I've, people. Yeah, I've I've asked multiple people. Which do you put in first, the the milk or the cereal? It was a TikTok thing, and all the answers that, that were on TikTok were put the milk in. <clears throat> I have yet to find anybody except my wife who puts the milk in first. So it's not it's not a good thing. I think this marriage yeah, you is You got to know, apart. like, how much you got to cover it up. Like, what, right. what's your ratio? You know, like, are you doing more right. milk, more cereal? What are the vibes? Yeah. Uh, I think Alan and Chris are on the comment section. I need to know which one you guys do first, milk or cereal. I, I think it's a hands-down winner, the cereal. Because, again, like Chris Ryan said before the show, you put the milk in and then the cereal just floats on top, <clears throat> which might make sense if you don't like soggy cereal. But what's the fun of that? you got to eat it fast. But then so. you get the spoon in there and it goes everywhere. Or, like, you can't <laughs> add more milk. Right, because right. then it's going to spill out more. It's just it's a mess. Yeah, unless you're only putting like unless you're reading the box and doing the serving size, which who does that? Right, right. it's a right. third a cup of Cheerios. <laughs> right, who eats that? <laughs> right, I grew up and my grandparents had like mixing bowls of cereal. Like they use half, they both eat half a box in the morning. That's what I was raised on. You ain't pouring half a gallon of milk in your bowl and then the whole box of cereal on top of it. Come on. And a big wooden spoon to eat it with? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. get the soup ladle. Soup ladle. Mm. Goodness. Yeah, no, I think this is a, a pointless debate at this point. I think everybody I know has said cereal. 
even asked around at church the other day, and everybody said cereal. So I think it's silliness. <clears throat> well, speaking of food, let me pull this up here. Minor league baseball season is back. Are you guys uh, excited about that? Yay, minor league baseball. Aaron, have you been to the Canapolis? <laughs> Everybody's like, <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> have you been to the the new uh, the Cannonballers in Canapolis? I've seen it. I haven't been inside the stadium. Oh man, but I've been that over place there. is fantastic. Yeah, uh, it looks just, nice. The the cool thing is, like, the concession stands are open. Even on when there's no games, you could just mm-hmm. during lunch, you could just go in the concession stand, you could sit in the seats, eat your food, cool. walk out, you could walk around. Is that, uh, I've been to a baseball game like t- okay. two and a half years ago, maybe three years ago. Wow. It was, it was in Canapolis, but is that the new that's name? Probably at the Cannonballers? The yeah, but that's probably at the old stadium. No, it was new. Yeah. It was a new stadium, I think. It looked really? new. Yeah. It was nice. Maybe not. Yeah, well, they built one and then they tore it down. They built another one, I think. Oh, yeah. There was one so. that was away from downtown Kannapolis, and then they 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 did that one until a couple of years ago, and then uh, they changed the name of the team and moved it to uh, downtown Kannapolis. So it's part oh, of that whole. This was out in the sticks. I feel like downtown. it was off. It was right off eighty five somewhere. I don't know. If it yeah, was... that's the old stadium. No. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So well, the new one is, new, is there in downtown. The snow are still good. Yeah. Yeah. They did. They did have hand-dipped corn dogs for a while. Uh, they took that off the menu. <clears throat> um, but they've got like a splash pad, this giant place that kids can run around and, and jump on the swing set and all this kind of stuff. It's, do, it's do they still spot. throw hard objects from helicopters at children? <laughs> Not that oh, I know wow. of. Okay. What happened? It was hard. They were throwing candy out of a helicopter or something. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, really they close that to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> Super safe. <laughs> They well, were like, physics, never heard of it. <laughs> hey, at least it wasn't like that WKRP the episode where they were dropping turkeys. Comes <laughs> down at this angle. As God is my witness, I swear I thought turkeys would I could fly. Is the best line in all of TV that has ever been uttered. Oh, WKRP yep. in Cincinnati. If you don't know that, go Google it. It's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> That's right. Um so uh, the minor league baseball is back, but now it seems as if there's been a an upgrade to the food at these ballparks. 31 minor league parks across the southeast are putting promotional emphasis on fireworks, cheap beer, and novelties, but there are others that are looking at their food. So here's a couple of them I'll share with you. So the Mississippi Braves are putting crawfish in their queso dip. The Durham uh, Bulls are putting their sweet potato tots with barbecue and nacho cheese. Um, In Jacksonville, where the mascot's name is Scampi, the jumbo shrimp are rolling out spicy shrimp tacos for 2022. So far, how how are we feeling about those? I'm just glad Durham's not sticking with part of their mascot anatomy for the, you know, entrees there. We had the crawfish down in Mississippi, Durham, what's the bowl? I mean, the first thing I think about is like oh, chitlin? Is it chitlins? oysters or something, but you know, oh, yeah, um, yeah. 
Carry on. Uh, so the Columbia, South Carolina Fireflies, uh, their tacos are filled with pork belly and Korean barbecue sauce. Uh, the newly introduced items um, include sushi at Kannapolis Cannonballers and tacos from Charlotte's Lopita's Carniceria. I don't know. And tortilla are available <laughs> at the Knights games. I butchered that hmm. like a champ. <laughs> I'm just trying here. Reading is hard. Uh, several bar par- ballparks are taking the classy route. The Gwinnett Georgia Stripers are um, opening a cocktail lounge and featuring bourbon lemonade. The Bowling Green Hot Rods in Kentucky are offering brunch, meaning eggs benedict, sausage biscuits, cinnamon rolls on Sunday. And how awesome is that? That sounds great. That sounds great. Um, yeah. The uh, Charleston River Dogs <clears throat> are doing a man salad, and, and these are – traditional <laughs> ballpark standards, but they are ungodly huge. This is topped uh, with a pretzel, three hot dogs, and beer cheese. <clears throat> so there's that one. The Birmingham Barons uh, come up with a, <laughs> with a dump truck, which is a foot-long corn dar- dog, bleh, foot-long corn dog garnished with french fries, nacho cheese, and sloppy joe beef. All right. It's like a chili dog, basically. Yeah. In Kinston, North Carolina, the Down East Wood Ducks are selling the double play. It's a foot-long hot dog with two layers of nacho cheese and barbecue from King's Barbecue and jalapeno peppers. All right. Yeah? Yeah. Um, And then, finally, the Rocket City Trash Pandas, (laughs) which is an awesome name, by the way. (laughs) <laughs> have doubled down their commitment representing Alabama by switching hot dogs to the Konica um, um, sausage. Have you guys uh, had the Konica sausage? No. Y'all, I think that's the one you get from the uh, the smoke, whatever the meat mm, market leader, right? Pit. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. It's good stuff. Yep, it's, uh, it's awesome. So <clears throat> those are some minor league um, uh, ballpark foods that are going to be out this year. So that'll be, that'll be great. Well, this makes me want to go to a minor league baseball game. Because right. I, I, I typically don't go for the uh, baseball. So. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like baseball, but <laughs> I'm going to need you to stall for a minute. Cause yet again, the guest can't find the league. <clears throat> oh, he's in the room. Oh, is he? He just got here. Yeah. Or he wasn't here. Oh. I, it's got to be yeah. me because I'm I'm doing this wrong. Uh, yeah, I think I know what you're doing wrong. Is, we could talk about it later, but <laughs> this is the second week people can't find the link. I I, I thought I thought I was doing yeah. He's right. he's I in here. We just got to uh, we'll get him added in in a second when you're ready. All right, uh, it's it's definitely an issue. Um, so it's just Aaron, can you give our listeners a breakdown of the greatest court case besides OJ that's happening? Huh? Uh, Johnny Depp. <laughs> Is is having a, a trial? Tell us what's going on with Johnny Depp because evidently it's making Twitter history, and is supposed to be pretty awesome. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, so I'm not an expert. Expert. I want to preface that none of us. <laughs> so are, this is just right. <laughs> what I've gathered 
from watching <laughs> in the internet. Okay. <laughs> so no one come for me. This okay, is how we do so, all of our show. <laughs> um, so yeah, Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. She is an actress. They were married. Um, I believe from like 2018 to 2019, like not long at all. Um, and he is suing her for defamation. So basically he's trying to prove that she, um, kind of like defamed him enough that like stopped him from getting opportunities to act or to be in certain projects. He got booted from the, um, there was like a series kind of an extension of Harry Potter, the JK Rowling, fantastic um, beasts and fantastic beasts. Yes. yes. Um, and he got like, I guess fired or whatever from those. And then there was like going to be another pirates of the Caribbean or something. So he's not doing that. (laughs) Which is like, who needs, who needs that? Yeah, no one. Right. Um, but yeah, so he is trying to prove that she defamed him because she wrote an op-ed piece about him and their relationship. Mm. So after that went, it was like, he got, he lost all these opportunities according to him. Mm-hmm. And so now they're in court in, I believe, Virginia, because that is where she wrote the piece and published it or, or published mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So... <clears throat> Um, yeah, it's, it's getting kind of crazy. Um, there, I have a I mean, I have a lot of thoughts. I don't know where you want me to start. <laughs> like, what, like, that's like the is, breakdown. <laughs> what's making it so TikTok, uh, you know, people are going crazy on TikTok about it. Um, I think Popular like, or- first of all, the fact that it's like being broadcast, is kind of yeah. crazy. Right. I think, I don't know. It's like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a lot. Is it's it a on, lot of dirty laundry. Is it on the home shopping yep. network? Is that where it's co- I think it was on HLN or something. Isn't that home shopping? Isn't that where they're showing this? I don't know. I saw it on Hulu. I don't even know. Oh, okay. I, I, think it's, I think that's, I think it's H, is it HLN like a home living or something like that? Like what? It's not a real oh, channel. Headline news. Probably. Oh, is that headline news? Oh, I thought it was a home shopping. Yeah. Oh, why is this headline news? Well, there's like wars being fought know. in other countries. All of a sudden, though, people oh. are like hashtagging save Johnny and all this stuff. And and Goodness. she's, but the thing is, is like neither one of them are good people. Yeah, in both my crazy. opinion, they're, they're both just crazy. Both very toxic and not good for mm. each other and have done horrible things. So it's like, but that's not what they're on trial for. They're on trial yeah. so that he can. Prove she defamed him, which does not mean, you know, is he good or bad? Right. Or is she? But that's where people are taking it. So, you know, people just choosing sides, basically his side. But it's a little messier than that, I feel like. So (laughs) it's it's a little more nuanced than that. (laughs) But yeah. Maybe we it's bring in somebody crazy. that actually knows what they're talking about. We need to get a real stuff. lawyer on this show. If we had, that's what we need: a real lawyer. Man, not her lawyer because he's horrible. Oh, <laughs> he literally called. He literally told himself objection. He literally he objected to his own question. Objected himself. He said, wow. Objection, and then he was like, "Wait, never mind." <laughs> it was his own question. His own question. <laughs> so definitely not that one. 
I did see that. And then not uh, good. It said, where did she get her lawyers from? Wish. <laughs> Which yeah. <is> great. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. I brought to you by the Home Shopping Network. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's go ahead and bring in our fe feature presentation. I can talk. All right. And now our feature presentation. All right. So uh, this week we have uh, Mr. Tim Emery again. He is a uh, criminal defense attorney. He is a defender of social justice. He understands the justice system in and out. And as I said before, he's a volunteer Little League baseball coach. So everything's uh, pointing right for Tim. <laughs> uh, nothing could be better for him. Um, Tim, thank you for joining. We really appreciate you uh, joining us on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Just to be clear, I'm a former uh, Little League oh. baseball coach. I have hung up my oh. cleats, but I'm still a big baseball softball fan, and I and I love youth athletics, but uh, I no longer coach. <laughs> gotcha. Um, well, hey, we still love it, and if, as long as you support the, the kids, that's all we need, right? That's right. Uh, you're also running for Mecklenburg County District Attorney. Uh, listen, the only thing I know about a DA is what I've seen in, in Batman and Law and Order. So I don't, yeah. I, I know that that seems like it's a pretty big job though. So good luck to you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, that's been a big part of the, the learning curve and talking to voters is that the, a lot of people think judges are a big influence, but the, the elected prosecutor in any jurisdiction is the single greatest lever of power on what I call the criminal punishment system, what many people call the criminal justice system. And um, they have the ability with pr prosecutorial discretion to effectuate so much change. It's just that for so many years, the prosecutor has used that prosecutorial discretion to err on the side of being punitive, um, that mm. it's kind of shocking when a prosecutor is looking to do something less punitive that's more aligned with justice and more aligned with actual what keeps us safe. Wow. Yeah. That's perfect. Look, just from that, you've got my vote. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, Tim, now one of your big strengths and, and the thing that you, you're passionate about is um, is racial uh, equality. And the first time that I saw or heard you speak and saw you speak was in a Race Together program, and you went through the process in a scenario of uh, like over policing and what is that? And you went through a scenario of uh, a young man that um, uh, got caught, got pulled over, and the whole process that that he had to go through and how it's unfair. Um, I don't know if you have time, or one, if you remember it, or two, if you have time to go through that. But for me, that was really uh, eye-opening eye to hear your statistics and over about over-policing and why that's a bad thing and why uh, it's, it's different if a uh, white person gets pulled over versus an African-American gets pulled over. Yeah. Yeah. I could try and run through it and, and intersperse some data with it as well. Um, Perfect. You know, I'm running for Mecklenburg County DA, so essentially Charlotte and a few other towns, but we focus a lot on Charlotte, right? Because it's the biggest city by far in the county. And sure. um, I love to talk to people about disparities as it relates to traffic stops. So the city of Charlotte is 35% black. 
Um, in 2019, I use 2019 data because that's our last non-COVID year. I think 2020, 2021 <laughs> data is, is deeply problematic because of a lot of COVID variables. So looking at 2019, Charlotte-Mecklenburg Police Department, CMPD, 57% of the people they pulled over in traffic stops were black motorists. Again, in a city that's 35% black. Then you look at the next, I I show this as a slide when I give a presentation to a community group. Then you look at the next slide, which is um, of those traffic stops, what percentage or who was searched, who had their person or their vehicle searched. And then it jumps to 81% of the people searched were black motorists. And then the final slide is use of force uh, again, not use of force in general, use of force arising from those traffic stops, 88% was against black motorists. So you go from 35% to 57 to 81 to 88, and there's the racial disparities in a nutshell that we see coming into the system. So I create this scenario, right? And then I've had cases like this. You have a young black man who is... Um, trying to do well. He's just a normal kid. He's going to college. uh, He's working, um, but he lives in an over-policed community. So he's driving his brother's car um, because he doesn't own his own car. And he's driving his brother's car. And since he's in an over-policed community, he gets pulled over for failure to come to a complete stop at a stop sign in a lightly traveled intersection, right? Or Mm -hmm. I have clients who get pulled over for tag light out there's a little light that's supposed to illuminate mm. your license plate tag and they'll pull over black motorists for that um disproportionately um so he gets pulled over for some bogus traffic stop the purpose is in traffic enforcement the 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 purpose is this mistaken belief that every black male is driving around with guns and drugs in the car so let's imagine he gets pulled over and he is driving his brother's car And the officer says, you know, do you mind if I search? Most people don't know that they can say no to a search, right? And so uh, due to various factors, he probably feels scared, intimidated. He consents to a search. It's not his car. He doesn't know what's in it. The officer scours the car, finds uh, a little bit of cocaine in the um, center console. Uh, maybe his brother uses cocaine occasionally. Maybe his older mm-hmm. brother sells the cocaine. But he's he has no awareness of that cocaine. But nevertheless, if he's the only one in the car, he's going to get charged with possession of cocaine. And um, then he's going to be taken to jail. Um, and he's going to be, um, you know, booked and fingerprinted and photographed and all of these things. And if a, ju- if a judge doesn't or if a magistrate doesn't unsecure his bond— um, he's going to have to pay money to bond out, right? Uh, he's going to have to pay money to buy his freedom, even though he's only been accused of the thing. And we have the presumption of innocence. Mm-hmm. And then as it goes on and, and he may be convicted, maybe they offer him a misdemeanor, but if he has a misdemeanor for, uh, say drug paraphernalia, um, the law currently says that you cannot gain federal financial aid. If you have a, drug conviction. So if he was receiving, say, a Pell Grant that was necessary to help him go to college um, Mm. and they offer him a misdemeanor and he pleads guilty, now he loses his financial aid. So maybe he can't pay for school. And if he can't pay for school, 
Um, now he's, you know, a little listless and he's, he's likely to t- be pushed into some extreme circumstances or some desperation that he wouldn't otherwise do. It's part of the way that I think our criminal punishment system can push people into worse behavior. There's always going to be a certain segment of our society, of any society, that's prone to do really dangerous, violent, scary things. And me or nor anyone else is saying, those people deserve a pass. Let them out of jail. Give them a cookie and say, good luck, right? I'm not saying right, that. Right. And people... You know, people criticize people like me and they think that, you know, that you're trying to let out these violent. No, I'm saying that, like, punishment isn't the only method of accountability. I don't even think it's a very good method of accountability. And prison doesn't work. Prison doesn't rehabilitate people. My clients often come out worse out of prison than they go in. Um, And recognizing that that young person now, life is on a totally different trajectory. Um, simply because he is being profiled and likely to be stopped for um, some minor traffic offense. Um, data shows that white and black people use and abuse illegal drugs at the same rate. Um, data even suggests that white people actually sell it, sell drugs at a slightly higher rate than black right. or brown folks. Um, but um, yet that isn't what we see. You know, we look at people who are sent to prison in North Carolina for drug offenses. They're overwhelmingly black people. So we have this disproportionality in terms of enforcement. And if that same young person was white, he would probably participate in some similar or worse conduct. But by virtue of his whiteness and by virtue of the fact of where he lives, never really comes into contact with police. You know, I. I live in I, I've, the last few years of my life. I've lived in neighborhoods where, um, you know, police are definitely an occupying force. But the last few years of my life, I've lived in places where a lot of the people look like me and police only come to the neighborhood if they're invited. Where many of my clients live, police are a constant occupying force, you know, and that's yeah. the two Charlottes that we talk about. Right. People talk about the okay. the wedge and the, the crescent, you know. And um, so in a nutshell, that's kind of like what we're looking at with um, the ways in which the system conspires against people who are otherwise decent working people trying to go about life, just trying to live their life. And the system really interferes with that. And it does it in a very racially um, focused way. And, and you even went a, a bit further and just talked about if if he doesn't make bail and has to stay in jail, yeah. there's ease attached to that that I had no clue of. Yeah, there's so some of the worst days I've been a, an attorney for over 20 years and I've been representing people accused of crime for 20 years. And um, some of the worst days of my career, my life really are. When I have someone that I believe is innocent, that I know is innocent of the crime accused, but I can't get them out of jail because the judge mm-hmm. won't reduce their bond or unsecure their bond, and they're too poor to pay their bond, and they plead guilty to crimes that they did not commit just so they can get out. And I think that's wow. just totally it's, – it's so sad. I had a young lady who was accused of a robbery, and she was not – party to the robbery at all. She was completely innocent, but I tried and tried to convince the prosecutor of that. What was painfully obvious. Um, I 
tried and tried to get her out. The judge reduced her bond a little bit. Her family still couldn't make it. And I told her, if we plead not guilty, I swear to you, the DA, when they take a look and prepare this case for trial, they will recognize they don't have a case and they'll dismiss it. But that may be eight months from now. And she had a plea offer that allowed her to plead guilty to a felony um, and get placed on probation. And I said, that felony is going to be with you the rest of your life. We talked about collateral consequences, but she, yeah. she was, she was 20 years old and she had a young daughter and she, she wanted mm. to be with her daughter, you know? So she pled guilty to a felony of something she's totally innocent of simply because she was too poor to buy her freedom. If her family was more affluent or had more access to things, or if I could have gotten her out of jail, she would have been out of custody. There would have been no pressure to, uh, you know, time pressure to resolve the case. We would have pled not guilty. The DA would have eventually dismissed it. And then I would have been able to prepare process and expunction for her. Uh, so that the fact that she was ever charged with the crime would be removed altogether, but that wasn't the circumstance for her. And that's, that's one of the things I talk about in the campaign is I prosecutors who argue on Monday to say someone's dangerous, they've been accused of this crime, not convicted of it. We were accusing them of this. Don't let them out. They need to they need to pay all this money to get out. And then on Thursday, I finally get the discovery. That is the evidence the states claims to have an initial plea offer. And the plea offer says, if your client admits to doing the bad thing we're accusing them of, we'll give them probation. And that's nonsense, you know. It 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 it, yeah. it reveals it reveals that keeping someone locked up pretrial is not about public safety. It's not about protection. It's about a coercive method to get guilty pleas because this system relies on people pleading guilty. It re relies on the overwhelming majority of people to plead guilty, and people are far more likely to plead guilty if they're in jail than out of jail, especially if the plea allows them to get out of jail. You know, and it's just. I tell you, they're, they're the absolute, I mean, after that case with that young lady, I went home and I cried because I'm like, this mm. is not what I signed up for. This is not why I got a law degree. This is not why I went to law school. This is not why I work in public interest law. Um, I felt like I was part of the machine that was um, convicting an innocent young lady um, of something that she did not do. And that's why I'm running for district attorney. I'm tired of seeing innocent people plead guilty to crimes. I'm tired of helping guilty clients choose between two unjust options. You know, I had a client mm. who was drug addicted. He was drug addicted, so he had a bad record. Um, he stole a television from his brother. Now, that's not nice. Don't do that. Don't steal, especially not from your family. Um, right. But because he had so many prior felony convictions, he was what's called habitual felon eligible. And... He got sent to prison for 10 and a half year minimum prison sentence. In North Carolina, we do not have parole. So he is still serving a 10 and a half year minimum prison sentence for stealing a 32 inch television from his brother. I don't care who you are or what you've done or how nice the TV is, to be quite frank. No one should do 10 and a half years for a stolen television. That is, that is a cruel and unjust and unfair system. And it seems like it's always people who have a much darker complexion than me that end up on the wrong side of those uh, outrageous outcomes. So where do we, you're obviously running for, for DA. So what, where's the yeah. first step in making that, that change? Cause it's, it's going to be 
quite a run <laughs> to try to yeah. get the racism out of the justice system. So where's the yeah. first step? What are we doing? Oh, it's it's an overwhelming challenge because I'll tell you, I crunched the numbers and in the five years that my opponent has been the district attorney, a black person in Mecklenburg County is 800% more likely to go to prison than a white person. And that disparity wow. is it's, that disparity is 60% worse than the previous five years um, when the DA was a white Republican. Um, and so you have to be very intentional about dismantling a system so diseased. You have to be intentional about addressing that. Um, I can't make that 800% disparity down to zero because right. that's an all systems approach, right? Because we have right. to talk about equitable housing opportunities. We have to talk about um, employment opportunities. We have to talk about educational opportunities. We have to talk about all these factors that yeah. push people into risky or criminality. But I think we start with basic things like I want to do away one of the mass incarceration. My second prong of my platform is to um, is to um, re, you know eliminate the um, mass incarceration policies of the district attorney's office. One of those is that habitual felon law. Those those enhancements. Mm -hmm. I believe the current punishment chart is more than sufficiently punitive to capture people who have worse prior records. So my pledge there is. I would never indict someone as a habitual felon, and that's something that's totally within uh, prosecutorial discretion. Two, I would mm. say, let's look at the like the first scenario we talked about, the young man. Let's look at pretextual stops. Pretextual stops is just a really fancy word for saying racial profiling or driving while black. <laughs> and I would be like the prosecutor in actually St. Paul, Minnesota who has a default position to refuse for prosecution cases that arise out of those pretextual stops. Um, mm. I would reject those cases. Um, I can't force the police department to change their policy. But my hope sure. is that at the time they would see, well, he's not going to pursue these cases. So maybe we need to readdress our uh, approaches to things. Um, so those are mm -hmm. some of the things. But be just intentionality with dealing with the root cause of crime. What underlies this activity? Why did this person do this? And let's yeah. address that. If it's mental health, let's connect them to mental health resources rather than send them to prison. If it's addiction, let's treat the addiction. And let's also be mindful that the cycle of addiction means that addicts relapse and and they're going right. to relapse more than once and they're going to relapse lots of times more than twice more than three times and we have to be sensitive to that let's address trauma let's address the systemic generational trauma that many young people who grow up in overpoliced um overviolenced communities experience um, because yeah. that's a big part of the puzzle, too. And that's where my restorative justice piece comes in. I'm a big supporter of restorative justice practices because those are actually ways that someone can be accountable for a, to a person they've harmed and can ha have specific action steps to address that harm and to offer restitution. And I don't mean restitution in terms of money necessarily, although that could be part of it, but restitution can take mm -hmm. many forms. 
um, so that they can sort of be brought back into that community. And I think that will reduce the likelihood that the person will do harm again. That's what I believe our system is the least good at. We don't think about what can we do to reduce the likelihood that this person will do this bad thing again. Um, Our answer for so many years has been prison. But the data shows that prison doesn't accomplish that. Probation, as it's currently situated, doesn't accomplish that. Probation is sort of like this sadistic game of Simon Says, where you take people (laughs) who don't have a whole lot of resources and you say, here's rules A through, um, you know, W that you have to follow. Oh, you didn't follow rule P and Q. So now you've got a probation violation. Now we're going to send you to prison. That's still a failure. I want my prosecutors to think about prison representing a failure. Failure on the part of the person, failure on the part of the system, failure on the part of everything. Now, that's not to say we don't send people who present a real serious danger to the community to prison. But I'll tell you, Less than 12% of the people that Mecklenburg County sends to prison are for homicides or sexual offenses. I'm not talking about that 12%. Yeah. That's the thing. People think that it's all murderers and rapists in prison. (laughs) A a drop in the bucket. I'm talking about the 88% that we send to prison for something other than a homicide or a sexual assault. Now, some of those do include some violent things like robberies, and maybe some of those people still do need to be incarcerated. Maybe not for as long Mm -hmm. as what we're doing, but I also know that we send nearly twice as many to people twice as many people to prison out of Mecklenburg County for property crimes as we do murder and rape combined. You know, and I really don't think prison is the answer for most property crimes. Property crimes, in my experience, are committed by two groups, young people. And I think their restorative justice is is a real big pathway. Um, And two addicts, you know, they're stealing Mm. to support their addiction. Let's treat the addiction. Yeah. So give us an example of property, property crime. Oh, yeah. Property crime. The classic is break and entering. Um, someone breaks into someone's home and takes some stuff um, so that they can sell it and get something of value. Um, a, a misnomer of that, people are worried, and, and people have a right to be worried, but people are very worried about like home invasion robberies. Um, most people that break into people's homes, they don't want the person to be there. They want to do it in the middle of the day when you're not there. Now, I've been the victim of two breaking enterings, and I know that it's a— it's a crummy feeling to walk home and your front door's ajar or to walk home and the, a cinder block has been thrown through your bedroom window and glass is all over your master bed and you don't know what's missing. You know, that is an empty feeling. I'm not saying that there right. isn't harm, there, but I'm saying that what is the best way to address that harm and what is the best way to try and reduce the likelihood that that person ever throws a cinder block through a bedroom window again. Um, property crime could also include, um, you know, thefts against stores. It can also include things like obtain property by false pretense. Um, I also see, I see a lot of people struggling with homelessness who get taken advantage of by people. And they say, hey, uh, if, here's this check. If you go and cash this check, for $1,200, I'll give you half of it. 
right? And it's a, it's like a bum check, right? And so it's always the oh. homeless person that gets busted because if things stop, start not going right, the person who put them up to it is standing outside and they just get the heck out of Dodge. And then the police come yeah. and it's the poor. And I can't tell you how many clients oh. I've had who are on their luck and they said, I knew it was too good to be true. I knew there was some probably illegal, but this guy was offering yeah. me a chance to have $600, you know, mm. let's, let's go after the people who are doing that. Let's not go after right. the whole person who feels like I got nothing to lose. This is probably going to turn out bad. Let's find yeah. the people who are putting the folks up to this. I, I also have crack addicted clients. I have one in particular, but several drug addicted clients, some with crack, who they steal cases of beer from Quick Trip. Now, they don't steal the beer because they want to drink it. You know what they do with the beer? They take it to a convenience store that knowingly buys stolen alcohol from drug addicted people. Wow. Now, that's a violation of ABC law. You know, to buy alcohol, sure. you've got to, as a distributor, you've got to buy it through appropriately licensed, blah, blah, blah. So right. I had a client and he told me about this. And I went to the prosecutor and I said, you know what? My client is being used by these people. He'll take whatever detective you want out and show him the convenience stores that knowingly buy stolen alcohol from drug addicted homeless gentlemen. Yeah. And go after yeah. them. Crickets back. No response. They, <coughs> excuse me, they just want to prosecute the easy case. And the easy yeah. case is invariably against the person that's least culpable. And the person, the you know, locking my drug addicted guy up is not going to cure this problem because there's plenty of other people who are down on their luck who will be suckered into the lure of. Yeah. I can go into quick trip, grab, grab two cases of beer, and then turn it around to the convenience store down the street, and then I can get my drug of choice for the night, and then I worry about tomorrow, tomorrow, mm. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. So sad. So sad. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really sad. The, the way – I mean, I represent people who are taken advantage of by everybody, right? They're taken advantage yeah. of by the more – sophisticated criminal and they're also taken advantage of by the system who fails to recognize that this person isn't the person we need to criminalize this isn't the person we need to go after if we really care about public safety and reducing crime we need to go after the root cause and in this case the root cause <laughs> are the stores that create the market for this if there were yeah, no sure. stores in this my guys would not rip off the quick trip yeah you know yeah it and if we provided you know a place for them to go to either a get off you know the, the drugs or the addiction what have you or a, a safe place where they can get you know whatever the food or whatever that they need they may not need to do that so look we're we're people of faith all of us on the show and and i'll be the first one to admit the church is doing a horrible job of of loving people one uh and we're yeah. doing a horrible job of of helping people that need it and you know we have these like little blessing boxes which are great you know whatever but i've yeah. seen more people go to those blessing boxes put all of it in the back of their you know camry and then just just haul haul butt out of there you know and they just take yeah. it and, and whatnot and it's not getting to the people that they need it you know the the thing that I see just in that and 
applicable to what you're saying is we're just not helping the people that need to be helped. And we're just trying to make ourselves feel good about what we're yeah. trying to do at the end of the day. Right. Amen. Yeah. That goes into that whole toxic charity stuff and, and, and all of that, uh, when helping hurts that book and yeah. And yeah. I, I'm, I'm a person of faith too. And I, I pray a lot and we've been sort of church hopping and church shopping and, um, you know, I'm really inspired by what I consider what I call like the social gospel. Like, mm-hmm. I I love preachers that and sermons that talk about justice and that yeah. talk about what does the stories of Jesus, uh, what can we extrapolate from the stories of Jesus about how we should act in this time and place? What does sure. Jesus call us to do in this moment. You know, it was really popular when I was an adolescent and like a teen in the 90s, right? Everyone had those WWJD, what would Jesus do, bands on. And I think they were thinking of them in a different sense. But I kind of wish that phrase would have a resurgence and an honest resurgence, because what would Jesus do if he was dropped into North Carolina and saw the disparities between the haves and the have-nots, saw the ways Mm. in which we criminalized poor people and criminalized poverty, um, what would Jesus say about that? And who would he spend time with? And who would he try and nurture? Because I don't think it would be... um, the people who are making the money. I don't think it would be the people that work in the big buildings. I think it would be the people who are struggling to survive. I think that's that's where Jesus would spend his time and he would show love, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Um we we completely agree with the social justice piece of at our church and <clears throat> we've caused a, a riff on that as well. You know, people you know, just don't seem to get what you say. What would Jesus do? I think the question is, you don't know what Jesus would do if you don't know what he did. You know, <laughs> I've seen right. that bracelet as well. And and we don't take the time to, to actually know the real Jesus. And we just do this lazy Christianity. And in this case, lazy justice, where we just pick the lowest fruit and we just go with that. Amen. Absolutely. Tim, I appreciate you coming on. Um, Guys, does anybody have any questions, anything that they wanted to ask? I don't see any in the chat from our folks. Um, Anybody else want to say anything? Going to go with a no on that. (laughs) You guys still there? (laughs) Wake up. Pretty late. Yeah, Yeah, we got our popcorn out over here. Yeah. No, yeah. Tim, thank you for um, being on the show. That we do appreciate it. That this is good stuff to hear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No problem. If anyone, uh, I of course have to plug the the website. If anyone wants to connect with the campaign, early voting started today. That's part of the reason I've got held up a little bit today, and um, sure. it, it will continue. Um, and and primary day is May seventeenth. But the website is quite simply Tim for DA. My last name is only four letters E M R Y, but people love to throw in an extra E or uh, an O. Right. So I just went with uh, just Tim for DA, and it you know, and it kind of conveys that I'm uh, more of a person of the people anyway. So Tim for DA dot com. Yeah the website if you want to connect if you're in mecklenburg county want to contribute want to vote want to help and volunteer um we appreciate all and all of the above certainly 
Before I let you go, I'm Cabarrus County. <clears throat> so how can yeah. I how can I vote for you? <laughs> well, uh, you know, if you live in Cabarrus County, unfortunately, you can't. But you could vote no, for man. me. I'm talking. Surely it's it, the the wall is not so big that you don't know people that live in Mecklenburg. So I always encourage people, you know people that live in Mecklenburg. Talk to them about it. And I really think that you know I really believe that good ideas are infectious. And I know that mm. some people are nervous about people that talk the way I do, but that if I get in there, I guarantee you we're going to see some change. We're going to see some really positive change. And I really want to mm. help that germinate and grow to the other counties in North Carolina. We've already got a prosecutor in Durham that's doing some really good things. And I would love to see a coalition of prosecutors who recognize that um, what does justice look like in this case means a lot different than just how much time can I hang on a person or what's the appropriate punishment. But justice is a higher calling. And uh, so yeah. I'd love to see, you know, good ideas in Charlotte can seep over into Cabarrus eventually. But, yeah, talk to your friends in Mecklenburg. Uh, you can I accept you can make a political contribution so long as you are not. uh uh, as long as you're a U.S. citizen or permanent resident, you know, um, anywhere okay. in the country, right? I have supporters in in virtually every state. So um, awesome. anybody listening can make a contribution to help because we're in the we're in this get out the vote thing here, you know, and it's the last drive, sure. and we've run a good campaign, but we're trying to beat a, an incumbent, and so that takes that takes work. So we're just trying to make sure we can fully fund. And talk to as many voters as we can before uh, the dust clears and the votes are tallied. You know, absolutely. We'll yeah. uh, put the word out. We'll do whatever we can. And anybody that's listening in Mecklenburg, please go out and vote, and then vote for Tim Emery. Um, I will say, uh, the DA part—that's in my my circle. That means dumbass. So <laughs> I probably probably would have changed that one, but there's that. <laughs> There's also there's Tim also again. debtors anonymous in the twelve step circles, right? Is, okay. is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic, Tim. But again, yeah, I appreciate so you all so much for having me, and thanks for accommodating uh, this late hour. Sorry to keep you up late, uh, but no uh, yeah, I really appreciate your efforts to uh, bring bring exposure to to these really important issues that we don't often talk about. Absolutely, uh, Tim. Thanks again for coming on. Uh, we, we love having you on and we'll, again, we'll promote you as best we can. Thank you so much. Have a good evening. You too. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Oh, well, we didn't ask him about Johnny Depp. So there's that regret. <laughs> Dang it. I forgot. <laughs> we forgot about old Johnny. I don't know how much uh, you could hear from the green room because he was in there, but it was in and out. So he may have missed. Gotcha. I thought it was yeah, going to be a perfect segue, <clears throat> right? right? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was doing. In. I was trying to, trying to get him in there when we were talking law. Dang it. Um, goodness. Well, next week uh, on the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast, we have another former lawyer. This is our 200th episode, so this mm. one will be labeled 199B. Um, and I am already nervous. Like I've, you know, like whenever I close on a house, which has been like 
twice. Uh, or like I've got a job interview or whatever, like you get the bubble gut and you're like, I've got, I've got the runs. It's just, it's just happening. Yeah. I'm so nervous about this next guest. I'm already getting you're, that. You're so, going to have to send me all your questions so I can keep the show yeah. moving while you geek <laughs> out over there. Yeah, so. Geek out. <laughs> so next week we have Matt Jones from Kentucky sports radio. Uh, one of the number one talk shows in America, uh, sports talk shows, uh, he's the reason why I started the podcast. Um, listen to a show every day, and um, just like admired this guy. He's he's a former lawyer, started with a blog, and has built this literal empire called Kentucky Sports Radio. Owns a bar, own uh, called KS Bar, uh, has a, a meeting venue, all this stuff. And dude is just awesome, super knowledgeable. Also wrote a book. Uh, called Mitch Please, yeah. because uh, Senator Mitch McConnell, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is a great title, by the way, um, and he, he goes to every county of Kentucky and says uh, a little bit of blurb about it, about the people of that county, and then how Mitch is screwed over that county. <laughs> oh. So it's wow. quite an exhaustive book, but it's it's pretty it's funny and fascinating and, and everything else. So uh, next week uh, on our two hundredth episode. Uh, Matt Jones from Kentucky Sports Radio. We've had Ryan, his cohort, on the show before. We've had Ryan's wife on the show. And now we get the big dog. Uh, and that's not now we wife. get the big dog, Matt <laughs> Jones. So I'm nervous. Like I've sent emails and I'm not getting a ton of response. So I'm crossing my fingers. So we'll do, have, do we one have show. A, a calendar confirmation because that's all you need, right? No, we don't let have to check. Let me check that real quick. I've yeah. sent I've sent the the calendar. Uh, okay. Uh, well, if it makes you feel better, not... only half the people on the show confirm those anyway. So. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I'm I talking about you too, um, but you know. <laughs> 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 yeah. So anyway, I'm really excited about it. Obviously, uh, so we'll see. We'll have one show where I prepare for Matt. Another show where uh, we just talk about. Um, Socks or seats, and see. Yeah, well, I mean, it's episode two hundred, so we could reflect a little right. if we need to. I we mean, can, yeah, we'll 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 talk about. We it. can make some content if we, if necessary. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There we go. Talk well, anyway, thanks again yeah. for listening. Uh, I really appreciate you guys um, coming uh, and, and being part of this virtual understanding. I know it's tough. I know it's it's a pill to chew on. Listen, I know some of you guys are ditching because I see the numbers. So our numbers have dropped considerably when we do the series, but that's okay. Uh. I expected that because um, this is not not for everybody. Um, but next week, next month, next series is going to be on mental health. So all you people who skip this one will probably want to skip that next one either. Yeah, so I'm going to skip that. that one. I don't even uh, want to know. But- <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, anyway, it's fine. It's fine. We love you all. Please spread the word. This stuff needs to be talked about and we're doing it now. So, um, it, it, cause it just needs to be. So anyway, thanks again for tuning in to the Southern fried philosophy podcast. And as always keep looking up.